We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Prayer, it can be a challenging thing to begin with. And here in Romans 12, Paul says, be devoted to prayer. How do you do that? Let's talk about that next on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, welcome. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard continues with our survey of Romans. We're in chapter 12, where Paul says, be devoted to prayer. So how are we devoted to prayer? What does that look like? How can we establish and maintain a prayer life that is devoted? Well, we're talking about that today here on Truth For Today. Please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast. If you think of prayer only as an emergency act, or I'm in a crisis, I better go yell for help. We've destroyed the worship element of prayer. We've just, I, I don't have to have a bunch of top ten needs to be there. I want to come in and adore him for his mercies, for who he is, for the greatness of his. I want to be with someone that's great. It's called my father. I want to be with you. Conversation. So it's first an act of worship act of adoration. I praise you. Um, You know, I've had several dads talk to me that uh, one of the disappointments of raising uh, children is this one man told me, I raised this boy because I wanted a friend for life. And now that he's old enough to have friends, he doesn't want me. He wants friends. And he runs around with all these buddies of his and said, wait, wait. I want you to hang out with me. Dad, you're not cool. Well, I sure was cool when I got you that new car. I'm sure cool when you want the car keys and you want some money to go out. Yeah, but that's different, Dad. I'm your son. You need to do that. And what the dad's waiting on, he said, I sure wish there'd be a night. You said, Dad, I booked a night just to be with you and Mom. What happened? Are your buddies gone? Yeah, they're sick. And I thought I could bore myself to have an evening with you. Thanks. What can I do for this favor? Could I have some money? What if you had that relationship? And that's where we are with God. Hi, God. I didn't really want to talk to you, but could you do something for me? I don't really adore you, but I... I've got, I've got 10 things here you could do for me if you, if you want me to show up anymore. If you don't, well, I'll have to, wait. I'll have to think about it. Because I just show up with you when there's nothing else to do. God knows what priority he holds in your life. And prayer is like giving. Prayer and giving cuts out the baloney about how much you love God. You can't miss it on whether you love God, whether you'll give to him and whether you talk to him. You just, there's no way to hide it. You talk to people you love. 
and you give to people you love. This wing's pretty good. I'll say it again. Thank you. Keep it up. This group's convicted. Uh, then after that, he said, uh, we ought to be praying about God's will. Is that the first thing you want to pray? Do you want to pray about what God wants to do before you want to ask him to do things for you? He says, when you pray, say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Wait, your will be done. And I've got this cup in my hand and you're telling me to break up with this girl. You're telling me to put Christ first on this marketplace job I've got. It's consuming me. Uh, It's keeping me from the will of God. Uh, Your will is what I want about what I give, where I go, what I do. I want your will first. I'm showing up not to talk you into my will, but I'm here to submit to your will. Oh, potter, mold me to do your will. That's why I showed up. I'm not here to talk omniscience into my ignorance. I don't know what's best. I don't know what he wants, but I'm here. I want your will done with my daughter, with my son, with my finances, with my job, with my body, with my marriage, everything. What's in it for you, God? Whatever you want to do with these resources, I submit them to your lordship. What do you want me to do? My life is not my own. I'm owned. I've been bought. And over my head is a sign that says, not for sale, already bought. I'm not for sale. I've been bought at a price. Someone purchased me. Some of you advertise you're for sale. And we know when a girl dresses like she's for sale. You see it. All men know that this chick is looking for more attention than she can afford. Honey, well, well, I'm just dressing, everybody dressing that way. No, honey, you, there's, there's more involved than your wardrobe. You're advertising. You're advertising. And, and, and God sees, and the world sees in all of us when we're advertising, somebody buy me. I've got a price. Buy me. Buy me. Well, it's wonderful the day you burn up the sign and you say, purchase, no longer for sale. I've been bought. I'm not, I'm sold out to him. He owns me. All of me. All of me. So, your will be done. That ought to be your second. If I'm going to adore this God, wouldn't I want to do what he wants to do? Wouldn't his priorities guide my heart? Whatever you want. Uh, Third thing is to petition him for daily essential needs. And he uses, of course, in that culture, daily bread, no refrigerators, uh, no Costco, no month's supply. Uh, you know, you, you, meat, you, you couldn't have meat as a whole. It, it would rot that day if you didn't eat it. Uh, no uh, fresh produce, not, not, not in the Middle East. If I just have some grain and a little bit of oil, I could at least make uh, flat bread, kind of like our tortilla. Uh, give, give me daily bread, what it takes to sustain life. Lord, I need clothing. My kids need uh, something to eat. You see, uh, what's, 
What's destroyed this kind of urgent praying is our prosperity and our affluency. See, I, uh, come on, your freezer's full. You don't pray for daily bread. Because you say, what do you mean? I got, I got weekly bread in here. I got stuff all over me. There's something about being in this urgent form of prayer. Prayer becomes a friend to you like nothing else. When I had no one but God, God stood between me and my last meal. And God gave me what it took to sustain life. He's that. God said, I want you to include me in that prayer. But you take this right to the throne room and it won't insult me. What do you want? Now listen to omniscience. Who, who contrains the grain fields on every place of this planet. Says, you want what? A, a, just a flat piece of bread to eat today? That's right. And you told me to ask you for bread. I mean, I would think God shouldn't be bothered by such minutia. Isn't that kind of rinky-dink to bother a king for a piece of bread? He said, I'm telling you, I want you to bring your needs. If they're as basic as a piece of bread to eat at lunch, I, as your father, want you to share it with me. I'm the son of poor Okies. My mother was Missouri. My dad was Cherokee County, Oklahoma. But it wasn't where they were from. It was the era they lived in where starvation faced the whole country in the 30s when you grew up where they did. So starvation was a pressing danger at all times. Just to have food. And I'm amazed at different family systems. In our family, uh, if you came by the house normally... One of the main things that kind of people that I grew up with in Richmond, that was in the projects and in the war effort, everything, with those kinds of people, they would always say when you came, have you had anything to eat? Now, I want to tell you right now, if I go to your house, that'd be the last thing you'll say to me. Have you had anything to eat? You say, hey, I hope you went to, I hope you ate before you came over. (laughs) I ain't in the restaurant business. Hey, we might have just had beans and cornbread that night for dinner. But when when family came, the question would be, have you eaten? Talk about hospitality. It's some of the greatest memories I have from Harbor Gate days. Because all of my mother's brothers, different ones of them, and my dad's brother, they were all in the Navy. They were going out in the war. And they would come and stay there. I couldn't remember all of it as much. But it's the family. Anytime family came over, we wound up at the table. And after the table, we wound up singing. And there's something about this God. It was easy to give thanks at the table when you face starvation. And you just rush through your Thanksgiving prayer over food because you've never nearly starved. But he's talking to a people that were facing starvation within 24 hours. And they did good to have grain. He said, when you pray, say, give us our daily bread. We need you for everything. Everything. I'm moved by my son-in-law tells the story, his family, that his wife gets him because he's an easy touch to give money away. If you need any money, go see Jason. He'll give you some money. 
I keep it under five bucks, so. But he, I mean, people be on the street or he, uh, you know, my family, they talk about him. That Man, he's always, he'll give it out. And, and we'll say, boy, don't you know that Pam Hanley, don't you know they're working you? But the memory is when I didn't have food and my mom and I barely made it on a Sunday afternoon. We usually made it on a deacon's $5 bill that bought two pieces of chicken, one biscuit of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and when you grow up that way, you know what it is to have daily bread. When you pray, pray about what you need daily. And us who are spoiled to the hilt, ask God not to make us broke to appreciate what we have. May we be thankful. That's why I wish we all could go to at least three mission fields where the people who know Jesus are nearly starving to death and wake us up. Why do we deserve so much? He goes on. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, he equates the debt here to sins down in verses 14 and 15. I I see the debt two sides. The sin involved primarily here, and I see it in the word debt, there are obligations I haven't done. It's the positive side of sin. We're always saying, well, Lord, I didn't sin today. I I didn't do some, you know, overt act. I didn't um, steal bad language. You know, some, some category. But there's a positive side to sin that keeps me uh, by the throat. God gets me. Is What are the positives you haven't been doing? I've told you to love people. Have you intentionally loved anybody? Oh, Lord, I just love them in my heart. No, I want you to show them you love them. John 13, 34. By this shall all men, unsaved men, can recognize love if you'll ever show it. The unsaved, they don't even need the Holy Spirit to recognize it. And it's a positive. Are you doing the obligations? I've been telling you for a week to call that person and encourage them. I've been telling you for a week to let it go, that so-called offense, or you felt slighted. You've been holding on to it. You've been nurturing it. If you don't watch out, it's going to turn into uh, a grudge or even uh, bitterness. Or You know, it, it's going to bring a wedge. I told you to let it go because you're withholding love in the meantime. As long as you're trying to figure out whether you're going to make it a grudge or not, guess what you do in the meantime? You withhold love. You can't be doing the positive when you're trying to figure out if you're going to hold on to a negative. He said, when you pray, you need to pray for pardon for yourself. Forgive me for all the obligations towards others that I'm not doing. And there's a whole lot of folks, I think, that aren't meeting their obligations towards me. Now, it could be in concrete acts of sin. They could be trying to stone me, hit me. They could be doing negative behavior to me. But in other words, they're not meeting up to the divine ideal of how I ought to be treated. So on one hand, you get a martyr's complex. Nobody's treating me right. That's pride on one side. Pride on the other side is, hey, you sinned against me. I ain't forgiving you. I'm somebody. You're proud somebody. Who do you think you are to sin against me? Well, you know better than Jesus. If people sin against Jesus, why wouldn't they sin against you? Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, we know what you are. 
You're a God made of mud. That's what you are. Because nobody ever to cross me. Oh, why? Because I'm somebody. Only in your own eyes. We can't stand it when we have any mistreatment. That's why we would not dare be so bold as to be on the streets of Rodeo handing out a track if somebody spit on us. That's enough. God must not be in it. He says, you've got to keep your heart clean, and it's tough in a fallen world. Am I short on forgiveness, forgiving? Am I uh, uh, not sinning myself against people, but my biggest sin is refusal to grant pardon, to grant it's okay. Uh, You're forgiven. Let us move on. And so he says, something that in your prayer life you've got to keep before God. Is there anybody that I'm keeping a ledger on that, I, that I'm hating, uh, I'm resenting, uh, I just don't feel right? I've got to keep a heart check. And God says, I want you to do that in my presence. Because I'll prompt your memory where you are short. I can, I can search it. And you know, you read the Psalms. Search my heart, O oh Lord. Know it. Know what's in it. If there's any evil way, show me. Do you ever just get in his presence and, Lord, if I'm doing anything evil, if I'm off in any area, show me maybe. (laughs) Maybe, baby, and I ain't crazy. Uh, Show me. Do you want God to show you? Do do you have someone, you folks that are divorced, do you still hate them when you're divorced? Do you hate them? Have you forgiven them? Have you forgiven those who persecute you? Count it a blessing. And the big thing is what it does to you. It will cut you off in prayer. And God says, give my presence. I want you to talk about who you need to forgive, who's been wronging you. Take care of all of those kinds of issues in my presence. And then he goes on to say, by the way, this is very important. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Because you destroy what Christianity is. Christianity is not about being perfect. It's about being forgiven. You should be comfortable here today if you've blown it. Please smile. You have blown it. And, but guess look around you. This mercy community is a community that have been forgiven. And guess what? We count it a joy to forgive just like we've been forgiven. Don't we? So, Rich and I used to say to young staff, and as we were years ago in our staff meetings, there's a line we used to say, we want this to be the safest place in the world for you to fail because you can find mercy, forgiveness, and grace. Instead of you saying, you better never cross me. I'll never forgive you. What? Don't mess with me. I'm somebody. Oh, yeah, you're somebody. You know, you get these people, don't ever cross me. Don't ever cross you. Let's get it over with. Boom. That's the way I feel. That's my sin nature. Let's get it over with. Just hit them right then. Okay, I failed you. Now what are you going to do? I won't hate you because I love Jesus. You what? You know you got to forgive me. I don't want to forgive you. I know that. But let's take down all of this stuff. We're going to penalize people 
if they don't meet our expectations. In Christ, that's the only way we're pleasing to the Father. I close. I'll just stop because we're over time. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Are you prepared if tomorrow should be your greatest temptation? If tomorrow God was going to place the severest temptation of your whole life, would you be ready for it? He said, pray before you ever enter into it that God will deliver you. And I think the moving illustration of it is Matthew 26, when all the disciples had their golden opportunity to show their loyalty to Christ. And what did they do? They slept while he drank the cup. They never dreamed that such a trial would... And what was the trial? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. For Peter, there's coming a test this night to you in which you're going to wash out. You're going to fail miserably because you can trust the sword, but you won't stay awake in prayer. And when you go to sleep in prayer, you will deny me three times tonight before the rooster crows three times. You see, our failing, a lot of times we never pay any attention to things until it happens out in the public. But most of all of our failing happens first in the private place. We stop praying. We stop waiting on God. And then all of a sudden we hear a guy committed adultery or a guy did this. How, how could they have ever done that? Oh, it's not hard. Just quit showing up, meeting with God. Just, just quit watching and praying. You'd be amazed what you're capable of doing. I met with a, an outstanding pastor who had lost his ministry through adultery. And he was interviewed, he tells me, on a program before it ever happened. And the interview was, uh, you know, the, the interviewer asked the question, if you were to ever be tempted, what area would Satan least tempt you? And his honest, forthright answer was, well, he would never tempt me in the area of relationships because that's the area of my strength. My wife and I hold marriage seminars. We hold seminars on communication. And, and part of his ministry had been built on this strong husband-wife team. And he wrote books on it. And that was one of his strong points. And he said it was the very area he was tempted in. And he did something in a matter of minutes that he never dreamed possible in a hundred years. And then he said this. This is what I never forgot. He just looked at me. He said, listen to me. He said, don't ever make my mistake. And I said, and what's that? He said, an unguarded strength becomes your greatest weakness. And where I thought I was strong, I found out I was weak. I wasn't trusting God for this area. And so when the temptation came, I fell like a mown down grass. And so, you know what I told him? Because I was frozen with fear. I thought, and he looked at me and said, you okay? And I said, well, I just concluded something. He said, what's that? I said, I have no strength but God. 
Every area is vulnerable. God is your only strength. And he said, show up and talk to me. And I won't lead you into temptation that I don't plan to deliver you from. You need it. You need it. Understanding who we are before God and what God requires and how God makes that requirement possible through his own son. All found here in the book of Romans as we continue our verse-by-verse survey of this amazing book here on Truth For Today. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes.